Welcome to Time Driving Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Paddy. And I'm Trisha. In today's Round of the Tars, we take a look back at Sarah Jane Smith and her time in the TARDIS so far. We'll be talking about her strengths and her weaknesses and listing her best and worst stories. So we'd also love to hear your thoughts on Sarah Jane. Uh, so in order to join the discussion, you can check us out at Time Team. That's T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Or you can email us at timetravelingteamp at teamproductions.com. So, um, I believe we finished Monday's episode with you gushing about Sarah Jane. Yes, <laughs> it seems like it's only it. na- I know. It seems like only natural that we should stop that gushing and I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, guys, as always on these rambling episodes, it's just a kind of an overview as to our final thoughts on the character, in Sarah Jane's case, for now. Um so uh we talked about the strengths and weaknesses so like the stuff that we were really good at the stuff that we thought really kind of brought our characters down a small bit or we didn't particularly like and then we pick their best and worst stories on a three two one basis so mm. from worst best to best best and then <laughs> best worst to worst worst <laughs> yeah this will be an interesting one because i was going through all my notes last night and i was like well the best is easy the fucking worst is the hardest. I don't think the best is easy. I really struggled with my best list. Well, I had know, to include the, an honourable mention. I'll put it this way: right? the best is the best is easy in the sense of oh, I have lots of pickings. Yeah. Whereas like the fucking weakest episodes or the low points, like I, I'm gonna nitpick the shit out of this. Usually, but, though, we start yeah. with just the strengths and weaknesses, and we yeah. like to end on a high note. So mm-hmm. we start on a low note. Yes. So, Paddy, Sarah Jane Smith, mm-hmm. circa Doc Tom and Doc John. Mm-hmm. Weaknesses. Go. Well, I suppose off on the start, there is that slight tendency to get hypnotized <laughs> a lot. Yeah, so like you think... You know, she'd have invested into some sort of classes or lessons from the doctor into how to shield her mind. Given the fact that she gives out about that she does get hypnotized left, right, and center, it's like, well, sorry, but you know, that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me seven or eight more times. <laughs> shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> shame on uh, him. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the biggest one, I think. The. Another weakness which kind of went away with time was this sort of trying to push like her own ideology into situations where it wasn't warranted. Mm. Um, and now, like, because like, she comes out and like, she is like a kind of a feminist, uh, a proponent of feminism, like, or mm. the seventies, uh, where there was a still like a, a the glass ceiling was a lot lower down, you know. Mm. Um, but there are times where it's like, okay, we get that, but now is not the right time to be on your soapbox. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of occasions for you to be on that soapbox. Right now is not one of those times. Um, and then there was, I think she is, that is like, uh, what I would say is like a failure to kind of read the room. Mm-hmm. And she has that as well, not just for her ideologies, but for her own kind of beliefs and skepticism. Like mm-hmm. A good example of that would be Terror of the Zygons, mm-hmm. you know, where there's still the element of like the superstitious nature of where they are in the highlands and um the the innkeeper who mm. is sort of a superstitious man 
she's like, oh, like he has second sight and all this kind of thing. And like kind of in a joking manner, but the doctor then kind of chides her a small bit, which is like, you know, he's lamenting the dead. Mm. You might want to, uh, which again seems odd because she's an, she's an investigative journalist, which requires you to, and we see it like in other times in throughout the, sh- the show, her on the show. And we see it again, like in later Sarah, uh, Sarah Jane Adventures and on the audio series where she seems a bit more respectful when she's doing that mm. uh, one thing I will say in that one mm-hmm. is now obviously we got the unit dating controversy right yeah but if we say that we'll say her John stories take place in the year that they aired mm. right According to Sarah Jane Adventures, Sarah Jane was born in 1951. Mm-hmm. Which means she's in her like mid-20s. Mm-hmm. So what I don't think, while I still think it's a weakness, I'm willing to cut her a little bit of slack. On the superstition skepticism side of things. On the reading the room part. Because she's still not... She's still, you know... Lear- learning the ropes. Yeah, do you know, she's still young. Right. You know? Yeah, no, that that's a I suppose um, that's a fair point. And you know, obviously, then it's like, oh, she's from nineteen eighty, which probably be twenty nine. But then again, you and I are in our early thirties, and we sometimes don't fucking read the room right. So, um, <laughs> it's not to say it's not a weakness because I agree with you that it is. Mm. But I think it's a consideration: is that the character was younger than Liz, the actor, because Liz, the actor, was born in nineteen forty six. No, no. Okay, yeah, no, that that is fair. But I suppose it's just like, I suppose maybe then so it's the inconsistency of things. Mm. Because she seems to be able to do it perfectly fine in one episode, but then in another episode, she loses that ability. And mm. it's just, like, it's a jarring then in that in that case. Mm. Um, and it, it just kind of makes you think, it's like, does she have a threshold for her? Like, you know, oh, um someone going about government conspiracies. No, no, absolutely. Please tell me more versus like there's a fucking monster on the moors. It's like, ah, piss off. (laughs) (laughs) Not to that that extent. No, she's not that, she's not that bad, but like, you know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And realistically, I think I kind of racked my brains, like, and I try not to fanboy over stuff, but it's like, those are the the biggest ones to me, you know? Hmm. I had two of those. Um, I didn't really okay. think about her reading the room so much because it only comes up in one or two episodes really, the reading the room part. And that turns uh, like on probably the biggest one of it. Yeah. I think there's an element of it as well in um, Monster of Peladon, but again... That's like, a that's different really, thing. So, it's a different thing, Because that's something yeah. that I had. So the first thing I had was the prone to hypnosis, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm going to go with my little headcanon that I mentioned last week in Mandragora. Which that is, she's like psychosensitive? Yeah. That's actually yeah. not her fault. That she's just she has an incredibly open mind. Nah. Um, and I will say that later on, and also there's a difference between possession and my and hypnosis. Those are two different things. Yeah. Um, because later on she does eventually conquer this in the fifth season of the series, <laughs> <laughs> which is like when the character's in her sixties. But this is beside the point. She does conquer it eventually. But we're skipping the timeline. Um, I think Sarah Jane as a character and the way the character is written has serious like we. I don't think we've ever seen a character get hypnotized as much as she does, or possessed, particularly up until now. No. Like no, 
ever. I think mm. the closest I can think of in terms of possession similar to the Hand of Fear is um, oh, the Zarbi where Barbara had the gold bangle that Nero gave oh, her and suddenly walking around yeah. with her arm outstretched mm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like it's it's a common thread from her first story to her mm. last story. <laughs> in Time Warrior, she gets hypnotized, and in Hand of Fear, she gets hypnotized slash possessed. Mm. Um, it is a very consistent weakness of hers. Um, that at this point in time, like if you were to stop watching here, you're like, does she know? like? Like I said, like fool me once. Mm. she has a best friend who like is you know has mental abilities get her to get him to teach you to build a fucking wall woman (laughs) (laughs) but the second one i have and like what i would consider to be actually her top weakness and this did go away over time Mm. and there was someone i blame for this feminism over common sense yes and no offense, but taking offense at things that weren't intended that way from a feminist standpoint. Mm. The doctor joking, we need someone to make the tea. Mm. And her going off at him saying, You can make your own fucking tea. <laughs> We're like, Really can I stand here and make a cup of tea for you? It's more of an issue during her time with Doc John, where she's prone to making rash decisions after her ego is bruised mm-hmm. you know like in Peladon, because you mentioned Monster Peladon where this came up as well I wouldn't call that reading the room issues in Peladon I would call that she was pissed off that no one was fucking listening to her and the female doesn't matter yeah pissed her the fuck off mm-hmm. you know we see it in Time Warrior I'm convinced half the reason she blamed the doctor in the first place is because of the way he treated her Mm. in their first interaction. Uh, We see it in Invasion of the Dinosaurs. She feels everyone's treating her like a child. Mm. Um, And maybe she sees it from a feminist slant that they're treating the woman like a child. Mm. Never mind, it's the military organization treating the civilian like a child. Still not excusable, but slightly different. And so she goes off and she behaves like a child. You know, she throws a strop. She goes out to play. And whatever. It's like, that is something that goes away over time. And I think one of the reasons why it goes away over time is because Terence Dick's left. Yeah. I blame Terence for this. And there's a reason why. So, you can't say you've never had a feminist on the show before. Liz Shaw, hello, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Katie, though, Joe Grant was not a feminist character in the same obvious preach sort Mm. of soapbox kind of way. And when Barry Letts decided that, do you know what, people are calling out for a stronger female lead in the show, Barry went with, okay, we're going to go down the feminist route. And Terence has said that in Terence's point of view, the purpose of the companion is to be perils of Pauline tied to the railroad tracks. Yeah. And I don't think, as a script editor, he knew 
how to write a feminist in a believable way. We've seen it done before. Her name was Liz Shaw. Mm-hmm. Liz Shaw was also a feminist, but written that feminist component of her. I was going to say, it wasn't written because it didn't need to be. Because it was yeah. obvious. But the character. <laughs> you didn't need to have her speaking like women's... I think she mentions women's lib once. Or something. You know, whereas there's a whole thing where like, oh, the Sarah ha- Sarah has to teach the Queen of Paladin about women's lib. And it's like, mm-hmm. really? Like, they weren't good at it. <laughs> but then when Tom came in, we had more of Sarah Jane on her own in that first mm-hmm. season with Tom and uh, Ian. Yeah. With the Doctor and Harry. And with Bob Holmes... And Philip Hinchcliffe, who were much more interested in writing Sarah the character. Yeah. Rather than just Sarah the feminist. So I think it's something that she grows out of. Not necessarily through natural character progression. Well, you can kind of say, like, after Robot, where Miss Winters is like, you call yourself a feminist and you assumed he was the director because he's the man. That maybe she took a, you know, you could sort of create, like, a your own headcanon that she sort of realized... Mm-hmm. That she was making assumptions and she toned it down or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely in her first season, the feminism over common sense. You know, making rash decisions that get her in trouble mm-hmm. based on a bruised feminist ego is a thing in the first season. It makes for a good story. Mm-hmm. But you and I would both consider it a weakness. Yeah. No, I can... It's one. It's one of those things where it's like sometimes people will like you know if you make if you make a comment about anything that could be perceived as anti-feminist, you will be um um you will be labeled an anti-feminist, and it's like no, it's not the point. The point is if you have if you have a message that you want to get out there, mm. but if you have the wrong person delivering that message, no one's going to listen to it. No mm. matter how good that message is, no one's going to listen to it without the right spokesperson. Yeah. and there are times where it's like no it's not the time to be on the soapbox or you were not the person in this instance to go on that soapbox yeah we're not saying the soapbox shouldn't be stood on mm. it's just not now yeah i think one of the things that and this goes back to liz more of my gushing over how amazing this is mm-hmm. had it been anyone other than liz playing this character mm. i think that would have been very annoying mm. do you know what I mean there are times where like you're kind of like oh sir relax will you but because Liz is such an interesting, she's, she makes the character so interesting to watch and her performance is so great, you kind of still enjoy it regardless. Yeah. Had it been a different actress, I wonder if the feminism over common sense would have dropped the scores in those stories considerably. Could have. Really could have. But I suppose now we should talk about the strengths and what makes her like the lovable rascal that she actually is. <laughs> okay, off you go. What are your strengths? Like, oh, gee, it's like we're we're flooded with examples of like just her bravery. You know, um, she's she has no fear. Mm. Like we talked about it in like stuff like the Revenge of the Cybermen, which we're not a fan of the story. But like the fact that she runs through like an active firefight to go back to save the doctor, not realizing that you know there's not really a whole lot she can do to save him. But there's that. There's the 
uh, sorry, <laughs> but like, again, it's like, or even in the hand of fear, when she willingly puts herself into the danger right beside him. Mm. He's like, I was trying to protect you. Yeah, well, I'm worried about you as well. So, you know, fucking deal with it. Um, she's very resourceful. Uh, she's like you know, she's highly intelligent. She's very resourceful. Like we've seen her lead the prison break in Genesis of the Daleks. We've seen her lead the fucking commando raid, in, like in medieval and uh, times in the Time Warrior. We've seen her use her charm and her intelligence to fucking kind of like outwit villains or get what mm-hmm. she wants. Um, or also her resourcefulness, you know, in playing, you know, playing the part when she's underground in Invasion of Dinosaurs, you know. Mm. Um, she's also incredibly compassionate, which is great. Because one thing, like, and as we mentioned the story around Monster of Paladin, where like, she's very kind of taken aback by Alpha Centauri. Mm. But then she's like so, you know, warm towards them. And it's like, it's okay, you know, we can do this together. Like she's So she's great compassion. Uh, I suppose maybe the best example of her compassionate nature to a story-based companion is Lawrence Scarman, mm. Pyramids of Mars. Um, so there was that. Uh, I love her relationship with the various members of the unit. You know, yeah. Benton and the Brigadier. Um, like, you can't say it's as good as Joe because that was a completely different relationship that they had. Mm. But it, it's its own thing. And um, or, like, or Liz as well. Well, Liz and the Brigadier more so than Liz and the two lads. Mm. <laughs> um, but, um, and her dynamic with the Doctor is just, you know, fun to watch. Mm. It's like, it's one way with, you know, the, the third Doctor, because it's like the estranged uncle. Mm. Whereas the fourth Doctor, it's like, it's the best friend. Yeah. It really is. Um, but also, it's just like, you know, how she, quickly she can adapt to a scenario that she's drawn into. Mm. And what we've said we've always loved, how much she drives the plot through her own independent actions. Yeah. How about you? So, <laughs> for me, I had like three big ones. I agree with pretty much everything you said anyway but my three big ones that i had was one was her ability to drive the plot which mm. i think for you and me both was a big thing with sarah jane consistently there's one or two stories where she didn't i'm sure we might get to those when we're talking later on but sarah's past as a journalist gave her a very easy way of driving plot that was very believable so even though she's in these crazy situations She's inquisitive, she's observant, she has good instincts, all of which help her to drive the plot. Mm. Like, that's how her journey began in the first place, by being inquisitive and observant. Eh, instincts may be not as good, but, but you know, being inquisitive and observant. And that continues on throughout the story. So even when she's not being a journalist anymore, you know, as we get further and further into our time with Tom, we don't see the journalism side of her. Those skills, like you said, are still there. Do you know? Um, and that still makes her who she is and allows her, like we've, we've said this before, when you have Sarah on her own, you're never like, oh my God, get back to the doctor, will you? Mm. You're more than happy to watch her by herself. Yeah. Which is great. Liz Shaw also had that to an extent. We were perfectly happy to, but she didn't get as much of it no, as Sarah Jane did. I think they learned a lot from Liz Shaw going into Sarah Jane. Hmm. The second one I have, I'm actually going to 
disagree with you on one thing. You said she okay. shows no fear. I completely disagree. Sarah Jane is amazing at being brave and afraid at the same time. Okay, so I'm not saying... Okay, when I say that she's fearless in the sense of she is not... When the need arises, she's not reluctant to throw herself into danger. Yeah. But obviously, like anyone that has like a fucking brain will react in terror to the terrible thing, you know? Mm. It's how you... It's how you... It's it's your action after the reaction is the mm. brave thing. That's, I suppose, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. When describing why he chose Liz for the role of Sarah Jane, Barry Letts said that the one thing Liz could do that the other actresses couldn't was play bravery and fear at the same time. Which is Sarah Jane in a nutshell. She is brave even when terrified. And like, mm. you know, others have mentioned, like Philip Hinchcliffe commented on it, that like, Sarah Jane screams and yells the house down. Because what she's encountering is scary, but it doesn't incapacitate her in any unless there's something physically blocking her, like mm. the mummy in pyramids. Do you know where she's screaming yeah. her head off the doctor to drop the floor and comes out there? Because the mummy right in front of her fucking face. She's aware of her physical limitations, I think, in terms of her strength. But she's still brave throughout mm. all. Do you know? And she will still push herself to the utmost I regardless. There isn't, I was going to say, I don't think she has a lost the will to live moment. Mm. There, The closest that comes to it is her like being stuck in the conduit in mm. Arkham space. Yeah. Which I, I'm also like, you know, we, we, we commented about how, you know, we were talking about Hand of Fear that I have a lot of things in common with Sergeant. Like I am terrified yeah. of plans. Uh, mm. I have an issue. It doesn't come up in these stories. It comes up in Five Doctors where she has vertigo. I don't have vertigo. I do have an issue descending mm. from heights, though, because my depth perception is shit. Okay. Um, I am claustrophobic. <laughs> so me and Sarah Jane have a lot more in common. Um, mm. But even then, she has her woe is me moment. Mm-hmm. But then she gets so odd with the doctor. It's like, fuck yeah. you, like. And <laughs> yeah. she crawls out of it. And that's the thing, is that, like, she shows the real fear that you should be afraid of what's on screen while still being brave and powering through it, which is fantastic. Very much like that's something Barbara grew into. Mm. And something Sarah Jane kind of had to from the beginning. Mm. Um, we just see it more and more, obviously, as the stories progress. I wouldn't necessarily say that Barbara kind of grew into it. Well, okay, she grew into it a small bit, but not as much as we've seen other characters grow yeah. into it because Barbara, we said, had a lot of skills from the off. She just needed the scenario to unlock them. That yeah, was the bravery for Barbara was like a yeah. new... Experiences were causing it to, to come out more and more. Yeah. Um, and, and that actually, the bravery, even when afraid thing, leads to one of the things I love about Sarah Jane, mm-hmm. which is, and I, I really wish, this about, I need to look and see if this website still exists. She saves the doctor just as much times as he saves her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a tit for tat, episode for episode. She saves him, he saves her. She saves him, he saves her. You know, if you think about um, Seed of Doom, if you think about Android Invasion. Yeah. Um, it's this constant tit for tat in terms of who's saving who. Um, which I suppose leads me on to my final things. Like, I agree that she has great dynamics with the unit guys. I love her interactions with Benton. I love her interactions with the Brig. And even with Yates, she made Yates slightly, you know, I didn't mind him in Planet of the Spiders. 
that's mainly because she didn't um <laughs> but it's her dynamic with the doctor particularly with doc tom though also with doc john to a somewhat lesser extent i would say and i'll get more into mm-hmm. that in a second she has a great relationship with the doctor now the reason why i say not as much with john is because it's, liz has said this herself john the actor as well as potentially the doctor the character was missing katie manning Mm-hmm. And would repeatedly call Liz Katie by accident. Mm-hmm. So I don't think on screen it became as quick as it did with Tom, who didn't have any predecessor. Mm-hmm. Um, but as opposed to Liz Shaw and Joe Grant, Sarah isn't his assistant. She doesn't work for Unit. No. So he's not her boss he's not her lab assist you know lab colleague work colleague like you said that he's kind of like an estranged uncle but like he doesn't really he's not a parental figure to her in the same way that like the doctor would have been to vicky or to dodo or to victoria Mm. um you know he's not this sort of person that needs being protected like you had with kind of like with jamie and patrick where jamie was the bronze you Mm. know um or even with bill hartnell where you know steven was kind of the muscle in and barbara were kind of taking care of the doctor a lot in in a number of stories even though we saw in the romans he could take care of himself she Mm -hmm. doesn't have that dynamic with him she's his friend Mm -hmm. his best friend yeah and that's all there is. She travels with him because she wants to. She mm. hangs out with him because she wants to. She's not required. They're not paying her to do it. Like, <laughs> no, I'm sure Liz Shaw and Joe Grant would have liked to hang out with him anyway. Yeah. But it was also their job to hang out with him. Which sounds so weird. Um, but with Sarah, it wasn't. Which gives their dynamic something a bit special. And it's the best friend. Mm. Do you know? It's a friendship. It's not a parental guardianship or like, uh, you know, a stand-in guardian in her life. It's not a colleague. It's not a boss. He doesn't have authority over her. Except for the fact that he drives the TARDIS. That's like the only authority he has yeah. over her. Um, It's just that she's his best friend. Mm. That's it. Which is great. It's, it's a lovely dynamic to have between the two of them. And I think it's one of the reasons why in future seasons, the relationship with Donna is so good as well. Yeah. It's a friendship. There's nothing else underneath it, you know, which is great. Yeah. I've often said, like, we'll get to her when we get down the line, but like Donna is the most reminiscent of a classic companion mm. in the in the modern era that, that I've seen. Yeah. Very much so. So we've talked about her weaknesses and her strengths. I'm sure we could probably blather on for ages more about her strengths. Her fashion sense, for the most part. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's time to talk episodes. Oh, so we have so hard. our worst episodes, which I struggled heavily with. And then we have our best episodes, which I also struggled with more so of how can I limit this to three? At the point I didn't, I put in four. So there's an honourable mention. Cheat, <laughs> cheater. Cheater. <laughs> I didn't know that. But we start with the worst and we go mm. from the least worst to 
the worst worst. I will hand over to you. What were your three stories? Um. So there isn't a single continuously bad performance from Sarah Jane in any story. There hasn't been anything from like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, or like, what is she doing in this, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, compared to say, you know, we gave out about Barbara in Planet of the Giants going, stop touching the fucking giant sticky shit, you know, like, or, or why are you going on touching anything at all? I don't know uh, whether she touched it, it was whether she didn't tell anyone that she touched it. Yeah, sorry, that's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> she I'm didn't like, know like, she wasn't allowed to touch yeah. it. I was like, I knew that there was something about touching stuff, and I was just like, well, for fuck's sake, what would just, you know, you know, cop Tell on. him, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Uh, so, like, like that, you know? There isn't a single thing where I'm, like, you know, shaking my fucking fist in rage at Sarah Jane. What there is, though, is just, it's her presence within the story mm. and what she does to drive the plot of said story. So, after much... <laughs> contemplation and I was like oh, for fuck's sake I'm here for hours I've gone with the 3 two, one of mm-hmm. best worst to worst worst mm-hmm. is Revenge of the Cybermen mm-hmm. Seeds of Doom mm-hmm. and The Mask of Mandragora oh I have two of those right. what have you got so number three mm-hmm. The Mask of Mandragora okay number two Revenge of the Cybermen mm-hmm. alright number one Day of the Daleks. You mean Death to the Daleks? Death to the Daleks, not Day of the Daleks. Death to the Daleks. What are we Day of the Daleks? Yeah, Death to the Daleks. We, we, we've, we've already bashed Day of the Daleks <laughs> several times. <laughs> like in the thing of the Simpsons, stop, stop, it's already dead. Yeah. Um, but I did Death to the Daleks for my worst, worst. And I'll be honest, you know, I've said this before with certain stories, their positions interchangeable depending on mood. Mm. Um, you know, like depending on what mood I'm in, their positions may have moved around a bit, but for me, um, that's the order that they okay. came in. So, my reasoning for these being the worst is essentially all the same. It just it grows exponentially from one to the other to the other. Cool. So, do you have different reasons for each one, or is it all variations on the same thing? It's. I think it's all kind of variations on the same thing because, like, okay, Revenge of the Cybermen. Hmm. Outside of the scenario where she runs, like, I think I'm nearly. I maybe should have put this fucking number one because, like, like outside of running back to the TARDIS. Hmm. Um and you know, and then when they're on nervous station, stop when the doctor's arm from being fucking chopped off. She doesn't really do a whole lot. Mm. Like there's no there's no really huge contribution. Um, actually, I think what I might do is I might swap. Uh, so I would put Cyberman to two. I put mm. Seeds to three because at least with Seeds she has her interactions with Scorby, mm. which while like and again we I I fucking I can watch. Th- those scenes anytime because John Chalice is great mm. in that role so yeah okay uh, we'll put we'll put Cyber into two put, um, at least with Seeds uh, she has really good interactions with Scorby but outside mm. of that 
there's not huge amounts of plot driving bar being damsel in distress because mm. she, you know she is she's held hostage quite a bit and as we said she does save the doctor mm. you know nearly as much as he saves her but it's the fact that she's constantly being used as a fucking bargaining chip mm. you know like there's that uh, it, it gets a small bit like repetitive after a while um revenge of the cyberman as i've said like bar being bitten so that they have to go down to the asteroid and they're coming back to try and save the doctor there's not really much done in her thing to drive the plot mm. whereas with the mask of mandragora outside of liz just being liz there's nothing there mm. like we we talked about how they completely wasted the, um, the sleeper agent kill the doctor side of things mm. like that could have been a, an amazing cliffhanger but outside of a couple of witty lines there's just really nothing of substance in her role in Mask of Mandragora. Mm. And the worst and the worst thing is, is like she doesn't phone it in. She she like really, really does well with what she's gotten. It's just it it's just nothing. Mm. It really is. It's just really funny. I was kinda of going back, oh yeah, no, she's great with Giuliano and you know, she's like, you know, very kind of like defiant and uh, but uh, beyond that there's nothing, you know? She has a pretty dress. <laughs> she does have a very pretty dress. Yeah. So, so you, for, yeah. So for me, I have mask, revenge, and then death of the Dogs. All right. variation of the same thing. Which is she doesn't contribute much to the plot by being kidnapped or hurt as an initial motivating factor. That's it. Well, mask, I, 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 yeah, sorry. Like you just said, you know, mm-hmm. she gets kidnapped in the first like two minutes <laughs> and is going to be sacrificed. Um, she gets brainwashed. I think the reason why I put mask at the bottom is probably because like, these are all variations on the same theme. Mm-hmm. And mask, and I'll put my hand up, this could be future stories impacting my viewing of mask, or my viewing of Sarah and mask. Um, I remember more of her from mask hmm. than I do from, say, Death of the Daleks. I I I know what you I know what you mean, and I I do think it is probably influenced from season two of the Sarah Jane yeah, Smith series. I think it's I have more of an invested interest in Mask, yeah. and I, I'm perfectly willing to admit that. But these are my three two ones. So, um, mm. Revenge. She doesn't. She has some good moments with the Doctor, but once she gets bitten, that all goes to pot. You know, she doesn't actually do anything. Like, yeah, she runs off to save the doctor or whatever, and she gets caught. Like, those have some funny moments, but like, there's no plot driving whatsoever. Do you know? And even even her being bitten didn't drive the plot. It just got her and Harry onto the planet. Mm. The doctor didn't do anything. The doctor didn't go down. Mm. Yeah, the doctor was still in the ship. Um, so in many ways. She did more to push the plot in Mask, even though, like you said, she, they didn't make ample use of the hypnotism part. Mm-hmm. I said they, they almost did more in Mask to drive the plot than she did in Revenge. And then we have Death of the Daleks, which, the same thing. She starts off, she gets kidnapped, and she's going to be sacrificed. And it's a driving factor for the Doctor to find. She doesn't even go into the fucking city, for fuck's sake. Do you know? Like, yeah, she's working with your one, you know, siphoning off 
the unobtainium or whatever. But we don't see that on screen. We're yeah, told they do it. Mm. But we don't get to see it. So the city that... of the Exelons, which is like the fucking interesting part, she's not even in it. <laughs> I think that's why I was so kind of confused as to why death should be in number one, like because like well yeah, while it's not on screen, we know that she's she's a kind of a key reason as to why the Daleks are defeated at the end. Yeah, but we see don't get to see it. I know. Don't tell me something. Tell me like <laughs> Let me see it for fuck's sake. Well, do what you did see? You did see her club the shit out of an Exelon. Yeah, um, you know, we also saw her in her cute little bikini thing. But, you mm. know, I'm not giving, you know, it's not for which one did she look the cutest in. That'll be a completely different yeah. list. Um, but, like I said, for me, these three can chop and change. Like, if I was being more sort of, you know, strict about it, I'd probably do Revenge Death and then Mask being the worst. But for my personal list, I like Mask more than I like the other two mm. and i think of all of her stories death of the daleks is probably the one i have watched the least when i think about the only thing that comes to mind is the opening scene of her in her swimsuit chatting to the doctor about Florana. that's literally it it's so forgettable which for sarah jane's story is rare mm. and like liz gives a full performance you know she's powerhouse the whole way through but the story and her part in it is just so fucking forgettable in comparison to the others do you know yeah no, that, that, that's fair yeah um i'm revenge and mask it's the battle of which outfit do i like more <laughs> <laughs> mask always wins at that front for me <laughs> So, it's interesting that, like, basically all of our worst episodes are variations on a theme, which is, we didn't mm. get to save enough of her. <laughs> she didn't get to do enough. And I agree with you, like, there's no story where I'm like, Sarah, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. Like, the, like, stop it, you total bellend. Like, that mm. never happens. Because even when she does make bad decisions, it's not a stupid bad decision it's a natural bad decision yeah. and also there isn't a single bad performance in the bunch no and i don't think there's she didn't have any she didn't have a green death she didn't have a fucking recess no she, of her she character, didn't. She which didn't. is great and she didn't really other than like not really writing the feminism well she didn't really have any episodes where the writing done her dirty like no. other than not be able to write feminism very well which is whatever the writing never does her dirty like if you think about like there were several times where like people were calling joe an idiot and whatever. we're like what mm. the fuck liz, sarah jane never had that we had mm. liz shaw ambassadors of death fucking do not continue working while your friend is missing mm-hmm. and when they've already threatened to kill her you yeah. tool. That never happens to her either. Hmm. So her worst episodes are just the ones where we felt that she could have done more. But then we have her best episodes. Yeah. So from your least best to your best best. And I'll give you an honorable mention if you want, because I did an honorable mention of okay. mine. So just yeah. fair is fair. So what was your four spot? <laughs> oh Jesus. Um 
Or have I put you on the spot? Don't, don't wait until the end to pick your own moment. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just going through them all now. And I think my four spot would probably go to Robot. Mm. Um. So, yeah, okay. My honorable mention would be Robot. Mm-hmm. But I say why it's an honorable mention and then go into no, the three, two. Okay. No, so, my number three is Pyramids of Mars. Mm-hmm. And I'm I I'm flip flopping between my my two and my one. Okay, mm. so my top two are the Time Warrior and Genesis mm. of the Daleks. And the reason I'm flip flopping is because in Time Warrior, the base introduct the baseline introduction of the character is so fucking good. Mm. And it's like, but like she goes through all this character growth and everything that I. Like, should I push like a fantastic first entrance above and e- just as equally fantastic stories involving the f- the more developed character? Mm. You know, um, so I think I probably will just for that rationale. I will keep Time Warrior at number two, mm. and I will put Genesis at number one. Okay, my honorable mention is Genesis. All right. Okay. My number three is Hand of Fear. My number two is Robot. Okay. And my number one is Time Warrior. Cool. So we're... And what I found interesting when I did this list is, do you remember what two episodes were on our worst episodes for Joe Rant? Our first Uh, and her uh, last. (laughs) And here are my best episodes for Liz. We have her first episode ever. We have her first Mm -hmm. episode with Tom. And her last episode. <laughs> so, um, you had Genesis in your top spot. I had Genesis as an honorable mention. Mm. So, how do we want to do this discussion? We discuss why I had it as an honorable mention, or do we wait until you put it in your top spot and then we discuss it then? Uh, no, no. Okay. Why is this the honorable mention for you, Sir Curiosity? It's the honorable mention for me because it has some amazing fucking moments. Mm. But. Once she gets, once she's back with Harry and the Doctor, she doesn't do anything else to drive the plot for the rest of the story. She has some amazing reactions. Her part of the "Do I have the right speech?" We 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 profess about it to the heart's end. But once she actually gets through the jailbreak, which is why mm-hmm. it's so high on my list, is she led a rebellion in the fucking daybreak for Christ's sake. She can drive a story by herself is one of the ways that we get to see that. Once she meets back up with the Doctor and Harry, the Doctor is then the focal character for the rest of the story. Yeah. So. Whereas in the other ones, Sarah's prominence, even though like we discussed in Hand of Fear, and we'll talk about that in a second, that she doesn't do as much in 3 and 4. She obviously has the ending, which is focused on her. So I think there's more focus on her in the other three than there is in Genesis. So one thing just that it kind of as well springs to mind initially is that like for the first two episodes of Hand, which is mm-hmm. why I'm kind of I was asking like, why is it in the report? For the first two episodes of Hand, while yes, the character of Sarah Jane is driving the plot, it's not Sarah Jane under her own willpower. It's Sarah Jane through the the puppeteering of another person. Yeah, but so, so I is, still the, is that think... just a is that just a good Liz performance or is it? No, I still think it's a good 
character episode because like if the character didn't get hypnotized so fucking often I probably wouldn't (laughs) care but it's a good Sarah Jane character story as well as that because even though she's hypnotized for the first episode in a bit and even though she's more reactionary in end of episode 3 start of episode 4 we get to see so much of who this character is and where she has gotten to at this point. And it's the goodbye. The goodbye mm-hmm. is when I can't not praise the goodbye. Yeah. Even though I often refuse to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, like, yeah, Sarah Jane is being controlled by Eldrad. And it's a good Liz performance. But there's still so much left in that story of amazing Sarah Jane hmm. that I still love it. So that's why. Yeah, no, th- those are fair points to make. They really are. Yeah. So you had um, pyramids in your three spot. I had pyramids in my number three spot. And you uh, robot in your honorable mentions. That's, we'll do robot maybe in a second when I do robot in my two. So why did you have pyramids in your three spot? Uh, I had pyramids in my three spot because I I really like there's a. I think nearly everything I love about Sarah Jane is in is evidence in the story, okay? Because there's her humor with the Doctor, you know, like between the "I know you're a Time Lord" and uh, and as well. Like, I love how uh, every time you do that, you fake putting the veil over your yeah, head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, much like whenever, like I read a book to my daughter that has the the artist Frida Kahlo in it and I have to do the the line from uh, the movie Coco where someone is pretending to be here I just go it is I Frida Kahlo and I put my hand on my chest and everything um but uh how was it it's like so there's that there's obviously you know the um, I wonder how he set off the gelic night without detonators it was like maybe he sneezed <laughs> uh just so there's that the the bit with the rifle it's great because again it just shows capacity for the character to like be involved mm. in like in the action side of things. Uh her compassion with Lawrence is is great. Like I think more so than the doctor, she makes him feel like I I think it's actually a combination of the really good writing for Lawrence and the mm. great acting as well by Michael Sheard. But I think it's Sarah Jane's interactions with him that helped kind of foster that kind of idea that we had that he'd be a good companion. Mm. Because he works well with her mm. and that's again i think that, that's down to her as well so i enjoyed that and as well like um her, her comedic timing with with tom you know when they're on like um mars you're just the whole turning around thing mm. and going through the traps and everything together i just i was i really really enjoyed excuse me enjoyed it mm. i would say that pyramids was a high contender for Either the three spot or the honorable mention spot for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The main reason why it's not in it, and this is more so about what I look for in a story. If you remember mm-hmm. back to Pyramids, I didn't like the friendship between the Doctor and Sarah. I think yeah. on her side it was great, but she was treated a bit shit by him. Mm-hmm. I don't like seeing her treated shit. So mm-hmm. no. that's why it lost out to the to the four that I that I mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. However. So in my second spot, I have Robot. And you have it as an honourable mention. So why is Robot an honourable mention for you? Um, so I suppose the reason why it's um, the honourable mention side of things is that 
I th- it's Sarah Jane in the, in the transition mode. Hmm. Okay. Because she's transitioning away from being with Doc John's companion into hmm. Doc Tom's companion. So it's like, you know, she's the old hand, essentially. But it's also the first time that the doctor is incapacitated, that she's the one required to kind of drive stuff. And, but at the same time, a lot of the focus on the story is the new doctor mm. as well. Um, and I, I again, I think it's just maybe like the, the overall nature of the story itself. Like while, they, while it's a good story, it doesn't have the same place in my heart that Pyramids did. Mm. So like, I know like, it, like, it was, again, it was a really top contender for the top three. Mm. And that's why it's in the four spot. It's mm. just, I think, like, because again, it's like, as I said, it's the, um, why Time Warrior isn't number one above Genesis. Mm. It's the development of the characters as the store, as the, their tenure goes on beats out like oh yeah like we've seen that they're perfectly established and they're awesome the minute they start but it's what come next as well also adds on to that mm. so for me i had robot in my number two spot for almost everything you just said really hmm. um <laughs> sarah is the one who really kicks off the plot she's off doing her own investigation and she's the one who really brings the plot to the doctor. Like, I know obviously the Brigadier was like, oh, there was a break-in or whatever. But Sarah Jane, who really brings that all together, which is great. And we get to see her, you know, for a lot of the story, working away independently without him, Hmm. which she does really well. We get to see her compassion and her convictions, like the way she treats the robot. You know, Miss Winter sort of makes fun of her. Like, oh, there's her person who would give a pet name to a car. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sort of in the same way that, like, in Obi-Wan Kenobi, baby Leia sort of saying, but what if it wants to say something? Mm. You know, about the loader that can't talk. Yeah. You know, and, like, it's the same compassion we see from Sarah, which is great. And then the other reason why it's such a high spot is how she reacts to the regeneration. Is mm-hmm. so good. You know, when Hartnell regenerated into Troughton, Ben and Polly were very, who the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is this? And there was a, there was a serious lack of trust mm-hmm. between them. It took a long time, story-wise, for that trust to come back. But here, you know, maybe it's because she's met Choji and Choji sort of eased her into it. She mm-hmm. accepts him for who he is. He doesn't. She doesn't expect him to be Doc Tom anymore or Doc John anymore. She accepts uh, him and his eccentricities for what they are. And it's not even just Cho G, but he is the, the prime mm-hmm. example of that. But also the Brigadier. The Brigadier is there oh, as well. Is she? Yeah. But like, if you think about it, you know, the companion is the person holding the hand of the audience in many ways, mm-hmm. and you know, particularly for younger viewers. You know, again, like thinking back to that documentary I was watching, you have, you know, um, David Tennant, you have Phil Collinson, who was one of the first producers on the revival with um, Russell T. Davies. She held their hand through the changeover. Mm-hmm. This is still the doctor. Mm-hmm. He's still her friend and she still wants to go on adventures with him. 
you know, like there's no questioning whether she's going to go back into TARDIS again. You know, she's laughing her ass off at Harry and just like disappears off in. And I think it's just a great showing of the character. And also on a personal bitchy, it's one of the reasons it highlights the difference between her and some of the other characters that we've seen or will see in the future and how mm. they react to regenerations. Yes. Um, so I think for me, for Robot, while, yeah, the main focus of the story is on the Doctor because the Doctor is new, it's still a really good Sarah story on mm. her own. Do you know? Like all the things that she goes through and we get to see, like you mentioned in her strengths, the dynamics she has with the rest of Unit. She's got some great moments with Benton. She's got some brilliant mm. moments with the Brig. It's just so, like, because the Brig being like, oh, there was a break. And why am I telling you this? Like, <laughs> why, why do I keep telling this woman random shit? <laughs> you know, and for me, I think it's, just, it's a fantastic Sarah story. Which I think is the other thing. I don't think Pyramids is a Sarah story. I think Pyramids is a Doctor story. Robot, for me, ironically, even though the focus is on the Doctor's regeneration, I think Robot is a better Sarah story than Pyramids is. Personally speaking. Um, But that's because I focus more on the relationship and how I enjoy my stories. And with the relationship, the way it was in Pyramids, I didn't think it treated her as well. Um, no, like, like, see, this was this is the thing is that, like, yeah, like, so I think you're right in the sense of it's just as much of a Sarah story as it is a first doctor story, in the sense of like you know because she's <laughs> off by her a fourth doctor story. <laughs> what did I say? A first a doctor story. First, a doctor's yeah. first story, maybe. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, no, the, that that's completely true. Um. Again, I think the reason that pyramids just beats it out for me in the positioning is it's the dynamic. No, I know that we had like disagreement mm-hmm. over like that side of things, but like beforehand and then afterhand, like mm-hmm. oh, like oh, like away, like I know that it kind of soured the experience a small bit for you, mm-hmm. but I think it's just like. Yeah, he lashes out at her, but he never he never stops loving her. And like mm. I know that it's a terrible fucking thing to say, like because it's I don't want to like you know diminish like mm. you know verbal abuse or anything like that. But it's just like we see his anguish. Then it's like the whole thing. You know, oh my god, I think I've just led her to her death when she's trapped in the the tube. Mm. No, again, like that's a very much more doctor moment. But it's her reaction when she's sitting in there and she, he's just like going, relax, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, well, what, why did you fucking say so?" Um, I think it's just like the like the character has matured a bit mm-hmm. as well. Um, but the robot in his itself, as I said, look, we said, is a fantastic story. It really, really mm-hmm. is. So then you had Genesis in your top position, whereas I had Time Warrior. So Time Warrior was your number two. So why don't you go with why Time Warrior was your number two? Um, so again, like as I said, the reason for my thing is that, no, it's just kind of like a stupid thing in my head, I suppose, if I think about it, is that I can't remember the last, I don't think there 
has there been a time where a new companion has come in where their first story is a five and they've been a huge massive contribute contributing factor to why that story is a five uh let's have a quick look back so uh i don't think so no i don't think so either we didn't do that many fives previously um we've done a lot more fives in recent years it, than we've done know, before it, uh, yeah so like and the, the thing is is that like she has so she has so many she has so many great stories mm. and that's as a result of like her character development and her growth as a character that I I, I, swear, I suppose like a part of me was like a small bit guilty for the time or here the number one spot but I was like even before we went to air I was flip-flopping between the one mm. and the two I really was. Um, and I th- think, not because of peer pressure or anything like that. But <laughs> there's like, no pressure. <laughs> no, no, there's not. No, but I think it is just like this thing of like where like, maybe it does deserve to be the number one spot because it's it's so good from the off. Hmm. But like, I, I, I think, no, like, I think like what you say is like any given day, hmm. it could change. Yeah. My top two will change. So at the moment, I'll keep it as the number two. Um, And the reason is, like, it's just, like, how could you not fucking, like, from the minute that she comes in, she's Mm. a powerhouse of a character because she fucking stands tall and she doesn't put up with his bullshit. Or stands tight for and doesn't put up with his bullshit. Yeah, exactly. No, she gets narky at him. Mm. She throws a bit of a fucking huff. But, like, 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 she goes back into a time period where, again... She could be burnt as a witch, or she could be fucking anything. And no, what does she do? She gains the trust of the fucking local lord, leads his men on a commando raid to an enemy stronghold to kidnap a fucking warlock, and then <laughs> brings him back, you know? And then not only that, takes active part in the defense of a fucking castle against, you know, said band of merry assholes <laughs> and their potato companion. Um... And, and then again, sneaks back into the fucking evil stronghold to help free all these scientists. And again, there's not a whole thing of like, Yo, what the fuck am I doing here? How did we travel through time? Who, like, where the fuck do you come from? Like, how can I understand like ye old English? There's none of that. Mm. There's there's none of it, which makes it maybe a, a small bit unrealistic. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like we're talking about a show. It's like a guy who travels in a fucking time traveling phone box. Um. I think again probably having to go back to like Liz mm. or Liz Shaw and then going having to go back even further to maybe say Ian and Barbara mm. have I don't think there's been any companion outside those two people that have like just from the start been like you're fucking awesome yeah which is why I have it in my number one spot <laughs> yeah um, I, I get what you mean about like you know having a character's first episode as their best episode. You know, does that sort of set you up for a downhill for the rest of the journey? Um, and I think not. I think the reason why I have Time Warrior as her best episode is because it is. Do you know? Mm-hmm. For the character of Sarah Jane. This is Sarah Jane's story. Mm. 
It's her story. The doctor is there this entire time. This is Sarah Jane's story. It's her journey of discovery. It's all of the things we love about the character. You know, her intelligence, her wish. The fact that she break that she goes there pretending to be her aunt. Never mind the fact that like she's like thirty years younger than her, and anyone could probably look up a research journal and go, "Well, you're clearly not who you fucking claim to be." <laughs> you know, the fact that like when she does go back in time, you know, she I wouldn't say she takes it on the chin because she's like, "It's a pageant, it's a fair." Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you people doing? <laughs> but once it's clear to her, I have somehow gone back in time. Like you mm. said, she takes on the chin and she goes with it. Yeah. 110%. And like you said, not only does she, you know, go and help the neighboring castle, but like she tells them everything she knows. She helps lead the raid to get the doctor as a prisoner. And then not only is she doing that, but she's like, she's helping defense of the castle. Not only is that, like, she's an integral part of the defeat of the Baron mm. or like the, the bag Iron Gron. Iron Gron. Because yeah. she goes in undercover to basically poison them all to make them fall asleep. Do you know? In a time period where, like you said, she could have been burned as a bitch. Mm-hmm. Like she was in way more danger in many ways than he was. Because it's a whole new fucking environment for her. And she just fucking goes with it. Mm. Do you know? Um all of that is just amazing. And for me, I think the difference between this and Genesis, you can talk more about Genesis in a second because that's your top story, but the difference for me between this and Genesis, between this and Robot, between this and... Like, Hand of Fear is also Sarah's story in many ways. Yeah. But for me, Time Warrior is the purest this is Sarah's story. Because she's Sarah from beginning to end. Call out your concern around Hand of Fear. And the Doctor is almost secondary to her. Like, we don't see the Doctor reacting to a new companion. We don't see the Doctor being like, oh, she's not Joe. Do you know? Or anything like that. He's just on an adventure the same as always. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But her exploration, it's her story. And I don't think we... We've never had it as an opener... And it's very rare that we get a story that's the companion's story. I think the closest thing I can really think of is the Romans. It was kind of a 50-50 between the two. Um, Well, like, like, Jesus, I'm I'm just trying to think like that. If you think about all the companions that we've had, right? mm -hmm. So we'll we'll just scale it back. So you had Terror of the Autons. Which is an introduction of the master as well as Joel. Mm. So I think that again, that's you're splitting the story there. Mm. Uh, Liz, again, brand new doctor, uh, who does get more of the focus than Liz does, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, Zoe, it's not really her story because Zoe is unfortunately this we said like a human computer. Uh, Victoria, no, not her story at all. It's it's not. Uh, Jamie, no, he's like he's a he he's a 
tertiary character in that. Mm. Um, when Ben and Polly come into the equation, not really, because again, we think we'd, we're not seeing them as potential future companions because Dodo is still on the scene. Mm. Um, then the Dodo comes in. Uh, was it, we've got the ar- we've got the arc. Yeah, so technically, her first story I, is the massacre. Mm. <laughs> but, but, uh, Which isn't her story in the arc no. isn't her story either no the Stephen with the time meddler it's the introduction of the first other time lord also his the, first story is the chase yeah that, okay yep that's true sorry my apologies um, I think you're nearly going back to an earthly child yep and even then that's that's an everyone's story it's an everyone's story you have episodes. So the first Within... episode is Ian and Barbara's. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me to have her first episode be such a strong. It's her story. I can't not put it in the best episode spot. But you did Genesis. Yes. And I've said why um, I put Genesis in honorable mention because I felt that she didn't drive as much later on. But mm-hmm. your soapbox, up you get. Why is Genesis the best story? <laughs> mm. So you you know you raised an interesting point there, okay? And like we've kind of said it before, time that um, in various times is that we always love it when we see a companion drive the plot, mm-hmm. but it's not a necessity that a companion needs to drive the plot to have a good performance in said story. Correct. So I think that's where it is with Genesis mm. because. Previous to this, okay, what we had seen is we, okay, Robot, which we've said like is like a really really good story because it's as much of a it's as much as a Sarah story it is Tom's story. Mm. So then on comes Ark, and she's on a commission for the first two episodes of it, mm. so we're going to get used to Harry on the scene. Then we have Sun Taran, which is only two episodes, and everyone is kind of split up there, and mm. that's I would say that's nearly Harry's story. I don't. I think. Uh, it's, I think it's a story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, no, well, yeah. Well, it's yeah. No, but like, it's you know it's a story, but like, I think it's it leans into it leans into Harry. Hmm. Um, and then we have Genesis. So again, the party is split, but it's Sarah's off by herself, hmm. and Harry is with the Doctor. Hmm. So it's she's the one, as we said. Look, she's driving that outside plot with the new shows, with the. She's the one that we get, granted we've seen a fucking Dalek before, but mm. it's the really, really well done first part cliffhanger. It's mm. like, you know, we're seeing it. It actually makes us forget that we haven't seen a Dalek for the very first time. Mm. Now, it's a combination of things, but she's the one that helps drive that. We have the really good prison break sequence. Um, and yes, she does take a small bit of a backseat once, the re- once they're all reunited. But... I think her presence in that story is is good when she's with the lads. But the do I have the right speech? Her part there is that other person on the shoulder of the doctor. I don't think it can be praised enough. Mm. And it's a really good thing because we have the doctor doubting a course of action. And... 
I put another companion in that scenario, and I'd be very curious to see what they what they say. Mm. You know, uh, or put another doctor in that scenario, and see his reaction to Sarah Jane's insistence that he follow through on his action. You know, mm. and it's. Like we we talked about it at length. It's like you know, like that. She she's not overtly wrong, but neither is she overtly right. Mm. Um, it makes for a very interesting dynamic that, and like, it it's not. It doesn't affect their relationship, you know. No. Uh, it really doesn't. But she carries on, and like when he when he makes the decision not to go ahead with it, like for the remaining what is it, episode episode and a half. Mm. There's never this thing of like I told you you should have done it, or like there's no like real vindictiveness towards her. She just carries on with trying to get off the fucking planet and getting doing her job as best as they can. Mm. Um, but like that first half of that story is great with her in it. It's really really good. Um, so that's why I put it as my number one. Mm. But I, that's at this point in time. Again. Time Warrior can flip with it yeah. at any at any given stage. Like for for me, it really is a case of like you know we kind of joked that this was going to be one of our hardest ramblings ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ian and Barbara. We had a couple of stories where yeah, they'd be their their worst episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't that hard for Vicky. Again, you know, there's a lot of stories where she didn't really do much, so it was you know, relatively easy to identify them. Um, it wasn't really up until we got to Liz Shaw where we were like, are we just ranking the four of them? Yeah. <laughs> like, one, two, three, four, four, three, two, one. Um, but this is the first one where I've really been like, you know, I struggled to pick the worst episodes. And I just picked a theme. and picked all the stories around that theme. But I, um, and, think- and even the order there could change on a fucking whim. Yeah. Um, but it was actually really difficult to pick the best stories because like, if we're going back to just the stories themselves, not even Sarah mm-hmm. Jane in them, like we had kind of comments at the beginning, oh, you know, we can't give every Sarah Jane story a five, but like one, okay, for both of us consistently, mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five, five of her stories had less than a 3.5 or less than a 4 rather only one of them had less than a 3 for both of us that's that was Death of Alex I gave it 2 you gave it 2.5 but in her run and this is also the Doctors as well as the story as a whole it's not just the Star Trek performance she's had for both of us one Mm -hmm. Two, three, four, five stories where we've both given her a five. And she's had a further one, two, three, <laughs> like a further three or four stories where one of us has given her a five and the other one has given her close to a five. 
So she got a five for Time Warrior. So for both of us, we both gave her a five for Time Warrior. We both Arc. gave her a five for Ark. We both gave her a five for Genesis. We both gave her a five for Pyramids. And we both no, no. gave her a five no, for no. Land. We both gave her a 5 for Terror. For Terror, you gave her yeah. 4.75 yeah, on yeah. Pyramids. We both gave her a 5 for Terror and we both gave her a 5 for Hand. Mm-hmm. Then the ones where she got at least a 5 from one of us, you have Monster, you gave a 5. Robot, I gave a 5. Um, Then Planet, I gave a 5. Pyramids, you gave a 5. Mm-hmm. Morbius, you gave a 5. Mm-hmm. Like Her stories are all exceptionally good. So to try and pick out the best was really really hard did i give her more fives than you did um uh let's see you gave her one two three four five six seven eight i gave her one two three four five six seven you did you gave her one more five than i did Ha. I was being super critical, trying not to <laughs> let my inner fandom show. Um, but that's what I think made this rambling so difficult. It wasn't even like trying to find the worst episodes. It was then like trying to pick of the eight that you gave fives to. Mm. Which and like we gave, like we listed ones here that we didn't even give fives. Yeah. Do you know? I didn't mm. give pyramids a five. We didn't give robot a five. Um. Mm-hmm. Or I gave Robot a five. Yeah. You gave Pyramids a five. Mm-hmm. Funny how that worked out, actually. <laughs> um, but it's just so difficult to rank her stories. Mm. Like, it's so hard. We, she's not the first companion where we've had a difficult time trying to find their top three best performances. Because mm. we also had a bit of difficulty with Joe. Mm. Because Joe had some stellar performances throughout. Mm. But this was probably like the first time it was hard to find bad stories for like the yeah. the worst episodes thing, you know? Yeah, I think you know, at least for me, like in terms of her best stories, like I didn't mention Planet, which is fucking brilliant. We didn't mention yeah. Zygons, mm-hmm. you know. We didn't mention um, Planet of the Spiders, which has good moments. Like because there's no bad performance. <laughs> You kind of want to put them all. Yeah. So, watch them all. There we go. <laughs> Death of the Daleks. Maybe skip that one. With <laughs> the rest of them. Watch them all. But, this isn't the end, though. You know? It is. She has a lot more stories left to go. Mm-hmm. I think we have another... Let's see... I'm going to say 80 odd stories before she returns back into the fold. Yeah, and I'm curious now. I need to look up. Um, so, in terms of things we'll be talking about, definitely. We'll definitely do Canaan and Company. I think we kind of need to, even though it's not. A, mm. It's a rambling. It's a, it's a rambling. So, Canaan and Company. Five Doctors. We haven't decided if we're going to do downtime or whatever. We'll, we'll leave that one off for the moment. Mm. And Dimensions in Time, we'll leave those, those two off for the moment. Then we have School Reunion, Stolen Earth, uh, Journey's End. I don't think we'll really discuss her too much in End of Time because that's not really... No. So that's 
five. Then we have Invasion of the Bane. That's mm-hmm. six. Then season one has uh, Sabine, Kudlak. What have I have for five? Yeah, each of the Sarah Jane Smith seasons has five stories. Mm-hmm. Like we still have another like thirty odd stories to talk about. With Sarah Jane. Yep. <laughs> um, so I don't know. We may have to do a rambling part two. <laughs> Yes. I, I suppose I'll ask you now, right? Jumping mm-hmm. the shark or jumping the timeline a little bit. If you were to do Sarah's best and worst, or Sarah, we'll do best, right? Because worst, we'll do Sarah's best stories in the classic era. Would K9 and Company or The Five Doctors make your list? I have, I, I can barely remember her appearance in The Five Doctors. And Canaan and Company is so long ago, but I have a feeling that they might. But like, I think Five Doctors probably will. Hmm. Um, for Sarah's best Ken- story. Oh, for best story. Sorry, yeah. for best story. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. no, no, no <laughs> so, they won't. I, I think for best story, those two wouldn't have really impacted no. me. I think for worst no. story, they, they may have. Um, so I'd say we may end up doing like many years a rambling part two of mm-hmm. um like from school reading onwards her yeah. best and worst <laughs> um and like you know we've got young sarah jane and older sarah jane <laughs> like, i think she'll also have the honor of being our longest rambling ever <laughs> probably yeah is that any surprise knowing me no it's not <laughs> Oh, but oh. do you know what? It has been an emotional roller coaster of forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a new Doctor and Sarah book that I got that only came out yesterday, so mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the week. But Monday, no Sarah Jane, new episode I have never seen. <laughs> so we're back with the deadly assassin yep and then after that we're going to be going on to new companion who i've seen one episode of (laughs) (laughs) so it's the end of an era and the beginning of a new era of trisha watching doctor who yep absolutely this is gonna be fun (laughs) (laughs) until then guys bye bye